Hey everyone, I'm Roland Chidiak, and I'm a grade three teacher with the Waterloo Catholic District School Board in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I'm also the co-host of the Decoded podcast. I'm also a very proud member of the EdTech Army. Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining another episode of the podcast by Sons of Technology. We are here in our socially distant clubhouse today to talk to you about, get it, one of the most important topics that, that, that are, are, is going around the Twitterverse right now, and that's reopening of schools and the different scenarios that different districts around the, the country and around North America, because hey, Roland Canada is in this too, how are we going to reopen these schools safely, effectively, um, and logically based upon science and safety. So how are we going to do this as educators from all facets of the educational system? So I want to thank every single one of the educators we have here today because every single one of these educators is incredibly important to the, uh, to the system that we call education. So I want everybody to go ahead and introduce themselves and then we'll definitely get started on the topic. I'll go ahead and start. My, my name is Joe Marquez. I'm an educator out of the Central Valley of California and you can find me on the Twitterverse at Joe Marquez. Seven zero, and as always, my partner in innovation, Kyle Anderson. Kyle, please introduce yourself. Good day, everybody. Kyle Anderson from formerly beautiful Northern Nevada, but now back in Southern Nevada. So I moved in about a week ago from this uh, recording. I'm still working for my district in Northern Nevada, but as my principal told me, it doesn't matter where I'm quarantine teaching from, as long <laughs> as I'm quarantine teaching. So no, I moved back into a place in Las Vegas. I'm going to be working in the district down there again. So excited about that. But you can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech. Same with Instagram, my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. And then I am also the author of To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking, available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and through EduAdge Publishing. So, and yes, like you said, we've got a lot of great educators with us today. So you mentioned one of them already coming at us from the great white north. Uh, Roland, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. On. Thanks, buddy. It's great to be back in the clubhouse, the virtual clubhouse. I'm Roland Chidiak, and I'm from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, about an hour away from Toronto. I'm a grade three teacher in a really big elementary, Catholic elementary school, and um, I'm the co-host of the Decoded podcast here in Ontario. You can find me on Twitter at rchids, and there's a link up there where you can find up some of my other goodies and blogs and stuff like that. But uh, the topic for today is an amazing one. I'm, uh, I was feeling a little low about it until I spoke to Joe and heard his perspective. So I'm pumped to hear what you guys have to say and how you guys think you might be moving with the reopening of schools for the next school year. Excellent. Thank you so much, Roland. And, you know, your, your perspective these last few weeks has been incredibly important to the, to the group, the podcast, and the education community. So thank you for joining us again. Um, Phil, Phil, please introduce yourself. And I want everybody to know that, you know, Phil, in my mind, is a lifelong friend. I mean, when we met each other, it was like a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Yeah, about two. We were, we were brothers, and, and you've actually ignited my passion again for comic books and comic collecting. So I want to say thank you about that, because we all need to find passions, right? So I want you, Phil, Phil, please go ahead and introduce yourself. 
Well, uh, besides being a, a comic book collector, uh, I'm Phil Harding. I'm the uh, technology integration specialist for the Valverde Unified School District uh, out in the Inland Empire. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as an innovative school district, which we are. Um, I'm also a newly elected uh, member of the uh, board of directors for Q. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, I was happy about that. Um, hope to do wonderful things uh, for our Q membership. Um, I'm at P Harding 2. Uh, where I always post crazy things like tweet of the week and stuff, the things that I find it is the kind of things we'll be discussing today. Uh, I was really shocked, Joe, I want to talk about it later. I was really shocked. I posted something about why we need to change the structure of high school. And guys, I cannot believe the response I got on the back end with personal messages. And some of them weren't really nice messages. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to really this discussion this morning. Excellent. And, and I want to introduce next. So thank you, Phil. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I want to introduce somebody that always gets confused my, for myself <laughs> in the world and, and somebody, uh, Phil, that I think has been doing ed tech a little bit longer than you, Martin. Oh <laughs> Martin, one, one of my, one of my go-tos, one of my inspirations. Martin, please, please, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello everyone, my name is Martin Ricardo Cisneros. I am a modern learning advisor here in the Silicon Valley. My current day job is I'm the director of technology for the various Union School District. Um, in a nutshell, I've been at this wonderful, um, you know, thing we call education since 1993. I tell folks I've been teaching with EdTech since 1993. I've taught every grade level except first, second, seventh, 10th, and 11th. Right. So I've done the gamut. I've you know, got the admin credential, got the master's. Uh, you name the directorship of, of after school programs of ELL and, of course, tech, uh, technology coordinator, uh, director. You name it. I've probably done it Four different universities, uh, four different county offices and maybe including a fifth one coming up soon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been at this game for a bit. Right. I was um, I call myself the original tech TOSA. I had my first job in 1999 as a tech TOSA. So it, it gives you an idea of, of, of the spectrum, but um, yeah, you can find me online at the tech profe, um, and that's on all the social medias or the techprofe.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Martin. And, and next, one of the original members of the EdTech Army and one of the original uh, uh, speakers of this podcast, Corey. Corey, please Thanks. introduce yourself. Well, again, uh, really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Corey Coble. I teach uh, seventh grade science up in Roseville, California, just outside Sacramento, and uh, wrapping up my 28th year in education and have been trying this whole technology thing and have never seen such um, amazing things from educators in my 28 years um, in the classroom. And so really excited to talk about some of the ways that we're going to bring back uh, some uh, ways of thinking and uh, you know, how we're going to uh, start school up again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at CVR Science 7. And uh, really excited to be here tonight. Excellent. And Corey, every time you say 28 years in education, I am just flabbergasted. Not because, because you don't, you don't, you, you don't, you can't tell that you're 28 years experience, but because you don't look like you've been that long in education. I'm only 32. I don't know how that happened. You, know? uh, you see, if we start our, our, our students young, they can get, become teachers. Their yeah, start, start with your 10. It's, it's all good. I, I just, I just love when you say that because I just go, whoa, I, I always forget that. Yeah. Well, oh, I've letting my hair grow out. So, you know, it's a, uh, 
been a while since I've had my haircut. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very, it's very Corey, you're, Corey, you're a few years older than me, and I have way more gray in the beard than you. So that's kind of <laughs> like what flabbergasts me about it, too. <laughs> and and finally, finally, I want to introduce you to one of the, the grandfather. Well, I don't want to say grandfathers because that makes you sound old, <laughs> Tom. But one, one of the originators of one of the, the best educational podcasts out there, you know, and, and one that spurred multitudes of educators to do podcasts. So Tom, 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 thank you so much for being here. Please introduce yourself. Thanks for having me back again, guys. Uh, Tom Covington. I am a digital uh, learning and media innovation TOSA for the Bassett Unified School District. Uh, I am also our union negotiations lead. I think that's the lens that I was brought in for today. That's, that's an interesting topic, especially uh, right now. Uh, and I have a little podcast called Tosa's Talking Tech. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TechTomBUSD, or you can go see my blog at TomTalksAbout.com. Excellent. Tom. Thank you so much. And, and I, mm-hmm. I truly mean, you know, when I say, you know, like the inspiration for many podcasts, I, I, I couldn't tell you if this podcast would exist without you or Beer EDU or the multitude of other podcasts out there. So, you know, th- this, you're a prime example of a spark that you do in your own universe that ignites a passion across the world. So I, I want to just let you know that, that you are an inspiration to many, even if people don't know you're the origination of that inspiration. So thank, thank you so you, much for being here. Now, so gentlemen, today I want to talk about reopening schools and I want to talk about it in three different phases. Okay. Just like maybe schools will be opening up in three different <laughs> phases. Um, so the phases I want to talk about is, is one, just real quickly talk about, you know, what distance learning looks like now and, and what have we learned from it for the future? Right. Number two, um, how can it be incorporated into the reopening and what reopening scenarios are your districts currently looking at? with all the facets being taken into account, meaning transportation, teachers unions, um, IT, curriculum, all the things that we wanna talk about. And then finally, what can we do after everything is back to normal? Like once there is a vaccine, once the threat of this virus is gone, are we gonna go back to the status quo or is there a learning target that we can look at here? Something that we see actually works and can actually change to spur innovation in what, what education can, can properly look like. Now. I also want everybody to understand that what we're going to talk about, these are opinions based upon experiences that we have in our districts and talking with other educators and maybe the research that we have done. So we are not the end-all, be-all experts on this subject. We are just like you, talking as friends about what can happen. So you may agree, you may disagree. But I want you to know that you know, the, the promise of the Sons of Technology is that we promise that we're not going to sleepwalk through anything, meaning we're not just going to put our head down and let things be be. We're going to be out there completely making a change. And we are also going to make sure that we speak encouraging words to one another. You may not agree with what we say, but there's no reason to, to, to make fun or yell at other people. Speak encouraging words based on what we know. And then finally, we have to build up hope with one, one another. We, we can't spur sadness and we can't spur despair. We have to speak encouraging words, build up hope because everybody has to know that we are in this together, no one left out and no one left behind. That is the mantra of the sons of technology. So we wanna make sure that you understand that as listeners, that that is how we're gonna speak to this. We're not gonna say anything is, is bad. We just want you to understand that we are talking about things that we think of in our perspective. So I just want you to make sure you understand that. The first thing I kind of want us to talk about is the analogies that people are saying about this distance learning, right? One of the biggest analogies that I hear is that, you know, people are building the plane while it's on the runway, 
right? Or people are building the plane while it's in the air. In and the and air. well, yeah. in, in the air, right? And, and well, while, you know, that may be true, I actually have always thought that maybe education built a plane without ever leaving the runway. I mean, we think we have these lanes and we think we have these roads we have to go down, when in fact, planes are meant to be in the air, meaning anything is possible. Meaning we, we shouldn't be thinking about distance learning in the facet of face-to-face -face learning. We have to be looking at distance learning as a brand new opportunity to innovate the way that we can possibly be teaching in face-to-face -face and distance learning. So I think one of the most difficult things that teachers have had to deal with is taking distance learning and trying to fit that block into the round hole we call traditional education. So I want to hear your perspectives a little bit on what you've seen in your districts about distance learning, um, the preparedness of your teachers, and how they're going to be prepared possibly to continue a hybrid distance learning when schools reopen. So well, anybody who has you know, uh, a comment on that topic, please, please, please um, sh uh, tell it to us. Well, Phil, you were talking a little bit about you know, Valverde and what they did for distance learning. So can you just say real quick about how your teachers have adapted to this environment? Well, you know, I was just talking to my superintendent, Mike McCormick, just the other day about it. And I think we were a little bit more ready when the crisis hit uh, because we had done a couple of things. One, we always had a history of empowering our teachers with technology. Uh, all our teachers have a mobile device that they could take home with them. All right. And the best way I had to compare and contrast is my daughter also works in my school district as a fifth grade teacher and my wife who works in another district who did not quite prepare for, uh, like Joe said, they, they were trying to put the plane together on the runway and they knew they needed to take off in an hour. Uh, you can't do that. We had had a history of Google Docs, Google Classroom. There was a lot of preparation in the front end we were already fueled and ready to go. Uh, we'd done a lot with edu protocols and, and other preparations and others. Uh, we'd always encouraged innovation in our classroom. So, you know, everything from Flipgrid to uh, Google Classroom was being used already by our teachers. So it was an easier uh, transformation for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't have to give a lot of tech support in that first month. I, I thought I was at Fort Apache at the Bronx or something because um, there was a lot of demand on it. But I think it's all about putting that time in your staff development, putting your time into the kids. All our kids also have a device. What about these districts whose kids have no device? Yeah, that was our- That's, that's very that's, good. Corey, what about yourself? I'll say that was um, kind of our situation too. We are, I mean, I've been preparing my students for something like this you know, for years because I've used Google tools, uh, Flipgrid, all these uh, remote learning things in the classroom. Um, and then when I saw the, the signs happening, um, I was prepared. Um, I think our district was getting up to speed. Um, but yeah, how do we, I don't think they've fully understood how to do deal with the kids that didn't have devices at home or multiple kids in a home trying to share one Chromebook. Uh, we handed out over 2,000 Chromebooks in our small little districts um, to families. And, um, you know, then, then they're all, oh my gosh, Wi-Fi. And then all of a sudden, how do we take care of Wi-Fi and connectivity? And when you can't go to the Starbucks and, you know, uh, get logged in and get your work done. Um, and then from a parent side, I have two kids in another district. Um, was very challenging 
to try to do this distance learning. Um, even the best teachers, this was not an easy <laughs> transition. So uh, I'm looking forward to kind of working out some ideas and you know hearing from this amazing think tank. And Corey, and I am so glad you said what you said because you know a lot of people think you know that getting devices in the hands of kids is the only issue, and, and it's not. You know that that is an issue. You know we need to make oh, sure it, that kids have an equitable access to education. But even the schools that did have one to one, even take home one to one, have difficulties implementing distance learning. Right, and and we always hear the the saying, teachers didn't sign up for this, students didn't sign up for this, they didn't sign up for an online class. Completely understand that. Right. And we also understand that teaching one to one face to face is not the same as teaching one to one distantly. There are things you still have to change and there's still a mindset that needs to be shifted in order for it to take effect. So when people say, oh, you're, it was easy for you guys to switch because you were one to one already. That is absolutely not mm -hmm. the case. And we know that's not the case. Um, Mark Martin, what about you? You know, you've been in uh, ed tech for years and years and years and you've seen every gambit of scenarios of devices in the classroom. What has been your perspective on, on these last few months of, of this distance learning experiment? Right. So, you know, the, the first thing I want to make sure it's clear. Hey, buddy. Um, the first thing I want to make sure it's clear that, you know, there is a difference between online learning and distance learning. Mm -hmm. Right. And the distance learning is what we're in now. Um, the online learning is something that, you know, we've been doing classes for literally over 20 years now. Um, but, you know, similar to what, you know, Corey went through, uh, we were in the same route, right? We had talked about, um, you know, going one-on-one, -on -one, but we weren't even close to that. You know, the training was sporadic. So all of a sudden, here comes March 16th. And on March 16th, you know, we're like, okay, this, you know, might happen. And what was interesting was from a lot of our folks, I got, oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to start preparing for this. Like, we need to start figuring out what you know filtering system what monitoring system how are we going to deploy you know all these different chromebooks and they're like you're worrying too much and luckily my team um was on my side and within the week you know you know of course leadership came back and they're like oh remember what you were saying last week i'm like yes we're ready to go by the way and one thing finding out we ended up doing two different waves of um of, of disbursement of, of Chromebooks and it gave me the opportunity to connect with parents as they were driving up because we did curbside right and talking to parents they were very thankful but even so the first thing the first round I quickly noticed from parents like oh this is just the honeymoon phase like yeah we, we need a Chromebook but we already have you know computer at home but we'll come and pick one up and then we had the parents who really really needed one like they were very thankful and, and stuff and then of course the question is um you know, does this come with Wi-Fi? You know, does the, you know, the answer was no. So that was already on my next step. I'm like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? And um, long story short is I started training, you know, I'm now on the IT side of, 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 of the whole, you know, line. So the ed tech part was no longer my first forefront as I have been for the past 14 years. So, but I knew that a lot of my teachers have not had that training, right? I, I look at everyone here you know, in the screen and, you know, I consider all of you guys experts. So, you know, off the top of our hat, there's stuff that we automatically do without even thinking about it because we've all become so, you know, it, it's like, you know, the whole saying is like, you know, a fish doesn't know it's wet because it's surrounded by it. And that's what we are. Right. And for, for a lot of our teachers, they were like, Oh, good Lord, what are we, what are we going to do now? So what I thought is, okay, let's, let's do micro learning. Right. 
not, you know, this is no three hours. This is not a six hours. You know, ed caps are great, you know, all this stuff. But no, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through. First of all, I'm going to paint the picture. This is what transition looks like. These are the elements. So what's a learning management system? How are you going to communicate? And I'm going to give you two choices, right? Because we have TK to, you know, to eighth grade um, in my school district. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm and I, I did away with email. And what I mean by that, instead of email, I just clicked on and I did a screencast and I just spoke to you. This is what's going to happen. Here's what we're doing. And I cannot tell you of how many people were appreciative of, you know what, thank you. You're talking to me. I need it because everyone's getting inundated, especially at the beginning, you all know, here's the 20 things that you, you know, here are the 20 best tools for this. Here's the 30 best tools for SEL. There's, and my whole thought is like, no, let's make the connection first. And I'll be honest with you, that first few weeks, there, there was, you know, there was rumblings because, you know, even, even with our union, our teachers union, right, there was an MOU that had to happen. Like, what is this going to look like after what I call the honeymoon phase? The honeymoon phase was the first two or three weeks. People were like, oh, we'll be back or whatever. And then by the third week, people are like, oh, no, this is serious. And then by the fourth week, oh, we might go all the way to the end of the year. And then after that, people were then all of a sudden, like, I'm pretty sure it happened to you. It's like, oh, remember that training you had? Right? Remember, um, <laughs> Tom, remember the, the, the team still that, that you did? Um, you know, Corey, you know, the, 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 the how, how do you make Google Slides interactive? And it kept on going and going. So I said, well, that's great, but let's first start of what, we, what, we, what you need. And what does it look like? Let's talk about schedule. But even before schedule, let's talk about connection. And for those families who have no internet, those were my first guys on the board. So, you know, I started looking from everything from, you know, Xfinity to automatically busting out Wi-Fi in Silicon Valley and, you know, to, you know, other vendors. But long story short, we ended up with a vendor that allowed us to get the, the hotspots that we needed for our families in, in, in a quick amount of time. Uh, when I look at the full spectrum, oh, th this is going to continue. This is, that, you know, or uh, Friday the 13th actually kicked off our one-to-one -one program because doesn't matter how we come back, blended learning is the new it, yep. right? So yep. blended learning is now part, you know, put that on your chest, you know, put that on, you know, on the, on the sons of technology, that's another patch that goes on there, whatever <laughs> that might be. But, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. And what does that look like? You know, not only for teachers, what does it look like for parents? Because the first thing I did on my second week was I built a digital learning parent portal where I start putting information for parents. Hey, when you get your Chromebook, here's how you log in. Here's some of the issues that's going to happen. And here's some places that you can go and find some activities that are also offline because we're not going to live from nine to four o'clock on a computer. And just even explaining that to folks was like, oh, really? We don't have to be on the computer. All I'm like, no, you shouldn't be. And then, you know, the terminology, synchronous versus asynchronous. What does that mean? And what are the benefits of both? Once we had the pedagogy, once we started talking, people felt a little bit more relaxed. But at the same time, some people were like, I have none of these skills. And yeah. then, you know, I have none of these skills. Uh, the equipment, I know I have it, but how do I use it? And then all of a sudden, every gap that you have in your system went from seeing it this way to now being exposed to everyone because it's not only exposed to you anymore because you're now providing services if you're part of it in some form or shape and i'm including edtech on this you're now not only serving your your staff and students but you're now serving your community yep 
and there's huge equity gaps in everything that that we're now seeing. So, um, you know, blended learning at the end of the day is now is now the new new. So the question is, we should take this as an opportunity, right? How are we going to take this as an opportunity? Because people are thinking, oh, there's, you know, we're gonna, we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to do that. No, but it's a new normal. It's a new reality. So the question is, how do you retrain your folks? Take this as the opportunity to retrain everyone, your paraprofessionals, right? Your special ed folks, your counselors, your administrators. A lot of administrators never had the opportunity to teach with technology. And now they were struggling before this happened and now it's even more. So how are you gonna do that? What, is the, what are the skill sets, right? What are the tools? You know, my recommendation, you know, a future episode, what are the tools and, 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 and a skill set that administrators need in today's schools, pandemic schools? You know, for, uh, for Paris, the same thing. Uh, I connected with Jermaine Nunez from Common Sense Media. And in a few weeks, we're putting together a monthly series about parent parenting in the quarantine age. And that's just a kickoff, right? I'm working on, on creating micro learning components, not only for, for my certificated teachers um, and administrators, but I'm also doing this for classifying. Because, you know, once again, if we don't take this opportunity to make something better, because at the end of the day, what are we here for? If we haven't asked the, the, the whole questions, what is school, right? What is learning? It looks completely different. When people say, well, how are you going to go through the curriculum? I go, it's really easy. Mm -hmm. Take half, I don't care what half, and throw it away. Because we're now figuring out that a lot of the curriculum that we purchase is bloated. Ah. What? Right? No. It's bloated. I the air just got stop. sucked out of the room on that. Supplemental <laughs> stuff. And it's like, you know, in my head, it's like, well, I think we need computers more than ever. And I'm like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we've had two generations of students where we have had personal computers at home. I'm pretty sure if you grab your camera and looked around your room, there's at least three or four different gadgets laying around. But yet we're still thinking, oh, should we buy, you know, the tablet Chromebook? or the 400 book that we, you know, purchase, that's $400. That's probably the, the information is, you know, five years old. And in my head, I'm thinking about budgets right now because that's the new thing, right? So with budgets, I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, are you telling me that we're not gonna be able to, well, let's refigure how we're spending our money, yeah. right? When I think about curriculum, and I think about the hundreds and thousands of dollars that we spend on curriculum, there is something called open educational resources, ladies and gentlemen, oh, we are. where there is some really awesome stuff that people on the ground are building. And when we talk about rigor, we need great content, but we need also need to be smart about what we're doing. Woo, I'm getting hot in here. All right, I'll stop there. No, no, that's, Amen, that's brother. Right. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I you. Tom, you're, you're on the front lines as well with, with, with where you're at and what you do and and you know, you, even with your uh, work that you do with, with your teachers union or your and, and, and your your aspect there, what what are your thoughts on on all of this? Because Martine, I'm 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 right with you about about budget and spending and and, and taking a, a real big look at what are you, what are you spending on? Just because you have a budget for it, should you really be spending it on it? Right? Um, reallocation of funds is incredibly important. I know you got to make sure you have your your title funds and, and spending on what it needs to be done, but a lot of those title funds. Um, a lot of the things have been waived um, to be able to utilize that those funds for PD, for devices, for a lot of these things, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, in California, 
uh, Superintendent Thurman explained all the title changes that were, ch that were made specifically for COVID all the way up till September 2021. So there is a lot of funds out there for devices and PD, maybe not enough funds to cover the loss um, of, of funding that, that we're going to be seeing in this, this last month of May and June and the next year as well. But there's still going to be funds specifically for PD and, and devices. But, but the key is PD and then also reshuffling funds that are not title funds around to different departments. I think that's key. Tom, what are your thoughts about, about all of this and, and then maybe some of your suggestions for it? My district, along with all the other districts, had a real problem with switching from uh, regular to distance. I mean, it's, it's throwing you into a new world, right? And even if you have a little bit of experience, nothing beats full day every day. Nobody's had an experience like this. Uh, so the first thing we did was we talked about our distance learning and what that means and what that's going to look like. And we tried to pull resources from everywhere. And everybody had resources out there. And for the first couple of weeks, it was, okay, let's see what's going on. Um, but then when, when we started to figure out that this isn't going anywhere, um, we negotiated PD time into our MOU. That was the first thing we did. We said every week we're going to have this much hours of PD and this many hours of PLC time so that as teachers, we can build these things together. Uh, so our district grade level so third grade was all planning for third grade and that packet was going to look the same or that digital component because we could have digital components in places um, because the, the less time we spend individualizing these lessons for each site, the more time we could focus on working together to build and support. So that was the first thing that we tried to get done. Uh, really focusing our, our efforts into the, the sharpest point that we could. And one of the things that we could do um, that we saw that would help with standardizing instruction kind of across the board. The second thing we did, like I said, PD every week. And I, over the past, what is it, two and a half months now, I think I've made 17 or 18 little two to three minute tutorial videos for teachers. Because just because we've had Microsoft and Teams and we've trained them on Microsoft and Teams doesn't mean that they've been using Microsoft Teams. So you know, just because day-to-day -day in my classroom, maybe I wasn't, but now it's, it's a necessity. So little two-minute video on, hey guys, how to keep your students from kicking you out of a meeting, because that was really important <laughs> after the first couple days, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And then it was, all right, how to, uh, a lot of t teachers were like, oh, my kid's doing this, my kid. Okay, we still, have, we still need expectations and discipline while we're distance learning, right? And who's your biggest ally with that right now, even more so than before? The parent. You have to open lines of communication. You have to be talking to the parent. You have to set that, you know, it's class time or we're doing work. So there was a lot of things environmentally behind that that we needed to address and we're trying to address it. The, the areas where we could improve. So March 13th was the day where it kind of came down, right? Friday the 13th. We're not coming back on Monday. We had a board meeting on Saturday. And the first thing they did was they paused our device rollout because we have financial issues, right? Like, so what's the first expendable thing? Well, those devices aren't going to do any, you know, they're not going to be any help over the next three years. Let's not get devices anymore. And I could see, you know, my IT director kind of dying inside because we had finally gotten um, the leadership to view devices like, like the lights, like the water. Like, it's just a part of doing business now. We need to have devices like we need to have desks. 
it's it's where learning's going and uh the pause on our our rollout we were two years into a four-year rollout so half our kids have devices half our teachers have been trained half our students have been trained and the other half are kind of like oh, i don't know what to do so dealing with that we we were uh one foot like we had both the wings on and the fuselage kind of secure on the plane and then we took off so we're, we were in better situations than some uh what I think we've done really well is making sure we have enough staff support. We had five TOSAs in our district. Uh, I was the only technology TOSA before. I had, there was a couple of ed tech TOSA, uh, um, educational services TOSAs that quickly transitioned into being ed tech. And then we had two mass support TOSAs that are like, all right, teach me everything I, I, you can because we see where the help's gonna be needed. So as a team of five, we were the ones who kind of came up and researched the guidelines for the distance learning. And we have been like championing the cause and helping teachers. I think I get like 87 or something emails a day, which is great. You know, it, it's really great that people are reaching out because that means that they recognize who can help and how. So that was fun. Um, and then uh, union wise, it's been, let's, let's make sure we're balancing. Uh, there was a lot of, coming out with guidelines and expectations. Like guys, we can't be meeting with students uh, on our one to six period schedule at the high school. That's just not gonna happen. Like let, let's look about, let's look at reality here. Uh, so what if most of those students, because we are in a um, low SES, low socioeconomic and like 96% of our kids get free and reduced lunch, right? Like those are the kids who are watching their little brothers and sisters during the day. So do you, what's more important to you? Or, you know, I think it was like an astonishing number of our students have actually gotten jobs during this because their parents got laid off. Mm -hmm. So we, we yeah. really need to be thinking about, especially at some of the older kids, is education the first thing on their mind when they wake up in the morning? Of course not. Of course not. So we get them where we can. We, we kind of uh, keep them afloat for as long as we can to settle this out. And then we come up with a great plan next year that addresses a lot of the issues that are coming up this year. We just got a, a two and a half month trial with distance learning, right? And now we need to take what we've learned this summer and really fine tune what we're going to be rolling out or how that's going to affect our education system from now on. We, we, we were jumped into the deep end. We got pushed in. How is that evolving? How is that changing? And how are we as educators um, staying afloat? Yeah, and I, I agree with everything that you're talking about, especially, you know, when you're talking about your department or, or your school taking away devices and, mm -hmm. and everybody going, what do you mean, right? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like all of us in the tech field who have been asking for devices and more training and the need to, um, you know, in, infuse technology into all subjects, I think we, we're, we're all feeling like this Cassandra complex, which is the complex where somebody knows the future and you tell everybody what needs to happen to prevent something and nobody's listening and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's not, we didn't predict this virus would be here, but we did predict that technology would be needed for a great, well-rounded education. And a lot of people didn't see it that way because they didn't experience that. So it's very difficult. And, and Tom, I remember you telling me at Q last year that, that originally your TOSA position had been taken away. Oh, yeah. Right? They, mm -hmm. they, were, they were dropping it and, and luckily that didn't happen um, and because, you know, they, they would be in a world of hurt without you. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, so it's very difficult in this situation. And with, with, with distance learning, right, and, and, and I, I love how Martine said there's a big difference between distance learning and online learning. Oh, yeah. But with, with distance learning, I think a lot of people are blaming distance learning 
instead of the situation. They're blaming distance learning, not the situation. They're blaming the devices, not the lack of preparation, right? And, and, and we have to make sure that, that we are letting people know, could you imagine what this would look like in 2008 without devices as prevalent as this? You know, like, like we all say we're missing our students. We wish we had our students. Imagine we didn't have devices where we didn't even get to see them virtually. Imagine that situation. We're putting ourselves in this box of, oh, I'm pining for the good old days of face-to-face -face with my kids, not saying, thank God we have a device where we can still see and affect our kids. Is it the perfect situation? Absolutely not. Did we get thrown into the deep end and say, hey, start swimming without knowing how? Yes, we did. But it, can, we go, can, we, can, can we go up from here? Absolutely we can, right? We cannot pine and say, oh, poor us. We have to say, look at our situation. We will always persevere. We are amazing as educators and we're gonna do what's right for our kids. So we're not gonna stop. We won't stop, right? I think there's a song like that. We have to keep <laughs> going. We have to keep going, which is, and, and Roland and Kyle, I want you to be the first ones to talk about this, which is why all the scenarios for reopening is going to really come back to distance learning. Like Martine was talking about, blended learning, is gonna be what has to happen forward. And, and Phil, I saw here in our group chat that you said that the, the was it the state board uh, met and, and, and they were like 50, oh, no, the, it, CTA, the CTA? Yeah, uh, I was invited by phone call uh, last Friday and then I was in it on Monday. They had 20,000, I don't know how I got on the list, but they had 20,000 CTA teachers on a bridge call for one hour and 10 minutes or so. And they were having people like, they'd ask questions. The leader, the CTA leadership would ask these broad questions. There were like six questions and they had you vote by phone. And um, the one that would have got you guys was when they went to the distance learning question. It looked exactly like a hump. It was 50% was on the side that, yeah, we can make distance learning work, but we're going to probably need more resources, that kind of thing. And then there was the other half was not for it at all, said it's a disaster, it's not working right, blah, 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 all the negatives, right? And I just thought it was interesting, every question, the CTA membership was like this, is like almost like a 50, except when they asked, should kids wear masks to school, then that one was like, you know, 90% to 10% or something like that. Uh, it gave me a kind of an idea, a snapshot of where our teachers in the state of California really are. Mm -hmm. I mean, think. I mean, think about how uncomfortable you are if, if you're if, if you if you haven't taught math or learned math since college, right? And you're asked, "Hey, can you teach my math class for a period?" You're like, "I I I don't know. I, I'm I'm rusty. I don't know." Imagine that to every teacher saying, "Oh, hey, um, we we have to be gone for three months. Can you teach with this computer for three months?" They're gonna feel that same anxiety unless they were quote unquote the math teacher, right? The tech teacher. I mean, it's it's very hard. You know, a lot of you, you know, we have a lot of these uh, analogies, but, you know, that's why you don't just take somebody up on a plane and throw them out. And that's how they learn how to skydive, right? You perfect. train them, you get them prepared, <laughs> you move them up. I mean, they're going to be scared as hell jumping out of that plane and they're never going to want to do it again. So I think that's the situation we're in with distance learning. A lot of people were just blindfolded and thrown out of a plane and said, hey, find that parachute, right? They're scared as hell. And, and what, what they need is comfort right? And they need, they need exactly, Martine, like what you said. You know what? A change of motion, short guidelines. Tom, like you said, short snippets of how to do things and, and, and commonality, right? There, there is, 
you know, something to say of, of, of autonomy with teachers and finding some tools that they can all use. But there's also something of, hey, what, everybody's going to use Microsoft Teams. I, you have to really get down to it because if, if our student in period one is using Teams and another period in three is using Microsoft Classroom, I mean, Google Classroom, it's going to start getting wonky. We have to choose one uh, LMS to make it easy on all of our students. So there has to be some leadership that says that, just like Martine well, had mentioned. And, and right? so districts should say, well, here's the five things we're going to use. Keep it simple. You know, the old mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan idea, don't yeah. go beyond your five things. Yeah. And just like Tom was saying, right, with that, that, that the teacher union was talking about, you can't teach all six periods every single day because the kids are going to get six periods worth of information every single day. Even in an online class, and I, and I mean, mean online, not distance learning. Like if you're in an online college, you get one course a month, mm -hmm. most likely. Right. So you're focused on one course. You're not given six courses for a six month period. You're given one course every six, every, every month. And so, you know, we can't overwhelm these students because the students are fragile. And the moment you overwhelm them, they're going to log out, which we see happen quite a bit. Um, so going into reopening scenarios, right? It, it's, it's about what's right for the kids, but it's also about what's, what's right for our employees and our educators. Um, because here's the, here's the situation. Um, you know, there are parts of our school that are vulnerable to this virus, whether we want to believe it or not. We have educators that are 55, 60, 65 who are vulnerable to this virus. Um, we have uh, food workers who are in that age range. Uh, I looked at it. The majority of all bus drivers are in that age range. Right. So we can't just say, oh, well, you know what? We're all going to come back face to face. And if, if things start flaring up, then we're going to start teetering off. You're putting people at risk. And then if you have teachers say, I don't feel comfortable coming face to face. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to say, well, then you can go on sabbatical until you feel comfortable enough? Because my response is fear is not an option. If you're fearful, that's not an option. Right. And then and then attendance. If, if your school says you we're going face to face and a parent says, I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't want to send my kid to school. Are they going to say, well, then we're going to mark him truant. You can't do that. You cannot yeah, put no. fear into a bottle just because your board says it's okay. My wife keeps coming back to me because I keep telling her all these scenarios and we keep seeing all these restaurants opening and everything opening. And my wife says, she goes, let me ask you this. What has changed? What has changed? And I go, well, she goes, no, nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is that, that for months, people have socially distanced, which has limited the virus. The moment everybody gets back, nothing has changed. It's going to happen again. She goes, what has changed? And we have to keep that in mind. Just because authorities say it's okay, is it okay? Because we have to put things also into perspective of politics. Right. Right. I mean, we just had the president of the United States say, I'm not going to wear a mask because I'm not going to give the media the satisfaction of seeing me in a math mask. So he's putting politics on health. So could you imagine students coming in saying, well, the president didn't wear a mask. You can't make me. And the school says, well, CDC guidelines say everybody has to wear PPE. I don't care. Are you going to tell that kid now you have to go home? You're going to send a kid home now? I mean, there are things we have to start thinking about because politics do play a role, which is unfortunate when we talk about health. And well, politics has always played a role in education, don't get me wrong. That's why you have different textbook in California and different textbooks in Texas, right? Because of politics. But politics play a role in health now, which is very unfortunate. So I wanna just tell you five scenarios that I've researched over the past uh, couple weeks that uh, districts are now looking at. And then I wanna ask you, what do you think is the most likely scenario 
So scenario one is business as usual. That means schools open, regular calendar, no nothing else, and they're just gonna have students wear masks um, if they're over the age of three, and um, they're gonna ask them to wash hands. That's district as usual. Um, and, then, and then also daily temperature checks, which by the way, daily temperature <laughs> checks, that's what? gonna be extremely difficult. Could you imagine a, a, a elementary school of 500 kids all lining up six feet apart to get their temperature checked? How long is that going to take before learning? The day's going to be over. The day will be over. Pulls out. All right, you checked. Go home. So that's the business as usual opening, right? That's the only difference is temperature checks and washing hands. Okay, next, adjusted calendar, right? So some are going to start earlier because they're they're expecting a flare-up in November, December. So they want to get more learning ahead of time. Some are waiting until after November, December with a January start date so they can bypass that virus flare-up. And then others are creating almost like a year-round calendar where they have two or three weeks sporadically placed so that if there is a flare-up, they can add weeks to those, 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 those breaks right there. So that's another calendar. That's the adjusted calendar. Another one is, is kind of like what Martine was talking about, the blended, the on-site and remote. Um, and so schools open up with options for kids to either come face-to-face or options for them to stay home. Now, one thing, what option are you talking about? If a kid doesn't have a device, are they going to be forced to come to school, right? So now they're putting themselves in harm's way just because they don't have the money to buy a device. Is that really an optional situation? Okay, and that's, that's number one. Number two is um, the AB model. The AB model is what actually we talked about this on our redefining what schools can look like podcast way back in uh, June of 2019. And the AB model is you have a blended learning model 100% of the time. So um, you, you put your class in, in, in uh, platoons of A and B. So A is 20 kids. They come into your classroom on Wednesday, Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, six feet apart, 20 kids in the class, and the other 20 are learning live remotely from home. And so, and then, and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the other platoon comes in, and then Friday, everybody stays home to get caught up or, you know, to, to get everything. That's the AB model. But once again, with that model, you're still expecting every teacher to come on campus, um, even if they feel like they are vulnerable. So that's an issue. Um, we also have to, once again, think about bus drivers, right? Um, because this is also going to cause um, transportation issues. So like if, you ha- if you're going to have everybody come to school and each bus can only have one person per seat, you're going to have multiple schedules, multiple passes. So you're adding money to gas, you're adding money to travel, you're adding all this money to the bus drivers. Plus the bus driver, if they're vulnerable, has this, every student passing by them every single day. So they're going to be extremely exposed to this opportunity. So there's another thing. Another one is that adjusted or flex schedule where they're going to where kids just come alternately on different days. Um, like Maryland public schools or Maryland government came out with a really good 60 page scenario document. And one of them is the one day model where um, you have just one platoon of kids every single day. And so you have a very little amount of students. So like maybe uh, 10 kids every day um, in your class with that model. But once again, you're having all the teachers on site. Um, another one is that the, instead of the students rotating classrooms, it's the teachers rotating classrooms. So the teachers come in, teach the kids, and then rotate out. And then finally, full remote, kind of like what we're doing right now, but with more training. So those are the scenarios that I've seen and, and, and that I hear people actually talking about. So Roland and Kyle, you haven't had really a chance to talk much. Roland, I want to hear, have you heard about these scenarios? Which one are you leaning towards? What are, what are your school talking about? Well, first, I want to start by saying that you guys have hit on stuff that I've experienced and I'm actually seeing. So it's pretty cool to hear what you're going through where you're at and then to think about where I am here in Canada and we're experiencing the same stuff, going through the same stuff. 
So Joe, I've not heard about any re-entry plan for our schools. We just found out this week that um, in Ontario, the Minister of Education said schools are now, they're closed, the buildings are closed, and we're going to consider how to start up for September. So we, none of this stuff has been floated around where I'm at, none of it. I can tell you though in Quebec, the province right next to Ontario, they went back to school and I've a week or two after they started, they had to shut down again because a bunch of people in the school got COVID and it's like, okay, now the whole system's out of whack. We can't do this. So at least here where I'm at, student safety is, has, been, has been running the machine. The politicians, they want to get back to business, but thankfully they're, um, they're in tune enough to say, okay, we can't do this. There's no way we can do this safely at the moment. So here's what I know in Ontario. The minister has said, we're not going back to school this year. School ends at the end of June. We will have a plan to present to everybody by the end of June for September. This is what we've been told. The unions are all into this. They want to be part of the discussions, which I believe they should be. I believe all stakeholders should be part of these conversations because this is bigger than politics, right? This is, this is huge. Um, I just read, while you guys were talking, I read, uh, my buddy sent me a message saying that um, numbers in where I live with COVID have gone up and they're tracking it back to Mother's Day weekend. Mm. So Mother's Day happened, everybody took a day off of safety precautions and now the numbers have jumped like crazy. So now they're saying, they will be able to confirm in another two weeks if the numbers drop and they'll know it was Mother's Day and everybody just decided to take a break. We can't do that in education. That's my opinion. And the politicians right now feel the same way I do. We can't do it. We need to go back. So a couple of things I'm thinking about based on what you presented, Joe. The first one is if we're going to go back and we're going to have one of these plans, let's flush it out. Let's make sure we go through it. Let's stop cutting corners because it looks like every time you cut the corner, you got a bigger problem on your hands. So whatever you're going to do, I personally like the AB model, but whatever you're going to do, figure it out, put it out there, give the teachers and all the stakeholders time to consider it. Because when this whole thing started, March 13th was the last day I was at school. When this whole thing started, everybody said it can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. Look at us now, mm -hmm. eight some weeks later, it's being done. That airplane's in the sky. It didn't fall out of the sky. So whatever we're doing, we did something right. And what I'm saying we got to do now is, can we reopen? I think we can. I think we got to do it bits by, bit by bit, and we can't cut any corners. So if it's going to cost the money for transportation, then dump the money into transportation. Like, now's not the time to be cutting corners and to be worrying about how much things are going to cost. When At the start of this school year, I heard that my director – told the principals and the superintendents, we have no money to purchase any new devices. Mm. That's what was said at the beginning of this school year. Now, everybody who needed a device has a device. People who didn't have internet have hotspots in their houses. We made sure we got everybody what they needed. So it happened. We made it work. Whatever we do, if we're going to go forward, we have to go forward. Let's do it right. Let's not be cutting corners because every time we cut a corner, it takes us 10 steps back. Oh, I got chills because this morning when I was on my run, I was listening to um, some scenarios and some snippets from what uh, 
what, what educators are saying. What, what, when I say educators, I mean administrators. And this one administrator, I don't want to mention his name or where he's from, but he was saying the CDC recommends that all teachers and students wear PPE, which means the teachers and students um, should be wearing masks every day. Well, a couple of things with that. One is a uh, mask properly worn uh, means you shouldn't be touching your face. And most kids are going to be fiddling with that mask and that's going to make them worse. Um, also, masks need to be thrown away after a day. So it's not just a mask per kid. It's a mask per kid every single day. Okay. So the administrator said this, we don't have enough money for that. So unless we get more money, we're not going to do it. That's basically what he said. He goes, it may be safety, but we don't have money. So we're not going to do it. Like it's a choice, right? Like it's a choice. Like we can do this or not. You know, it's like saying, you know what, if, if we don't have enough money, we're not going to be adding PPE. That's like saying the builders of the Titanic saying, we don't have enough money, we're not going to add enough lifeboats. And, we, and that was, you know, look how good that came out. So the issue is that, that, that funds are having to be cut and more funds should be added. And that is an absolute issue. And that should not be an issue. One, one of the things I used to always say to my tech department is we shouldn't let our budget stand in the way of our dreams. Right, Roland, like you just said, you were going to cut devices because there wasn't a budget, but they found a way. And so I kept telling, we should never let our budget stand in the way of our dreams. There's always a path forward. We just have to cut through the mountain. We always have to look that way. And when you put your heads together, when everybody goes down, like Tom was saying, and we find places to cut a budget we don't need money from, all that fluff, if we could find a way, we can make it happen. So schools are going to need to tighten their belts. And I think they're going to have to protect their teachers. No teacher should be laid off, right? Because, in fact, with every scenario that I see, more teachers are going to need to be hired. More, uh, more um, uh, uh, equipment people, not equipment people, more, more, more um, janitors are, are going to have to be hired for sanitization all around the campus. More nurses are going to have to be hired to administer temperature. More money is needed but it sounds like there's not. So we have to find a way. We absolutely have to find a way to make this work. Right, Roland? Kyle, what about you, Kyle? I mean, you, I mean, you wrote the book on risk-taking and all of this is risky, right? All of this is risky. It's not, it's not impossible, but it is us taking a leap of faith. What are your thoughts since you have such a grasp of, of, of what life needs for risk to be, to, be, to be meaningful? What I'm seeing right now is a lot of places don't really have a plan for what's going to happen in a few months. Right now, it's really just kind of flying by the seat of the pants to try to get through what's going on right now. So with, with my current district, it's what does next week look like? What does the following week look like? Because we got two weeks left as we're recording this. What are those weeks going to look like? How are we getting students into the buildings to clear out lockers? How are we going to finish up grades? How are we going to do... X, Y, and Z. So I haven't really heard much about what the plan is for the fall. Right now, uh, the, my current district, it's looking like starting back up around August 21st, whatever the date is. I don't remember the exact day uh, because I'm leaving that district for another one. The district that I'm going to, they're looking to start around August 12th, whatever that day is. I, I again, can't remember the exact date, but I have heard some rumblings about maybe pushing the first day of school to after Labor Day, which would push that into the first week of September. I haven't heard anything else about what exactly that's going to look like, though, whether that's going to be full on back to normal, quote unquote, whether it's going to be some sort of hybrid model, whether it's going to be the remote learning that we're looking at right now. I, I don't know. 
I think what a lot of people are trying to look at the situation as let's assume that as numbers have been starting to go down in a lot of places, that it's going to continue that trend and we'll be able to be back to a, a relatively normal routine in two and a half to three months, which I, I would love to be optimistic about that. That sounds amazing. It sounds like something that is feasible, but at the same time though, you have to prepare for the worst. So when I coached football years ago, so high school football is a lot different than, you know, college football or pro football where one kid on a team in high school really can make a difference. And if that one kid is out injured, say they broke their ankle the previous week. So their star quarterback broke their ankle. You prepare for that team a lot differently than you would if they were going to be around. So that team all of a sudden can be very, very beatable without that, without that kid. But at the same time though, you still prepared your kids for that game as if that quarterback was going to be there. So you prepared for the absolute worst. If all of a sudden you got to game time, that kid wasn't there. And then you were able to play the game differently and end up winning the game 52 to three or something like that. Amazing. But it's all, it's not because that kid wasn't there. It's because you prepared like that kid was going to be there. And that's the, that's kind of what I'm looking at with the, the whole scenario with reopening schools right now, right now, it would be great to just go back to, face-to-face, one-on-one, normal, quote-unquote, like we've always had. Okay, but is that the reality? Probably not. We have to prepare for the worst. We have to prepare like there's going to be six-star quarterbacks, not one, not zero at this point. So, But unfortunately, I don't see a lot of districts doing that. And and part of it, it's, it's not necessarily that they don't want to prepare. It's because of the current situation, just trying to get through day-to-day right now because you just don't know what each day is bringing right now that it's so unpredictable so and because things are starting to open up there very well could be a flare-up of more cases that are floating around because I'm starting to see in the state of Nevada restaurants are open back up to where you can go and sit down again granted it's at 50% capacity and they're spreading everybody out all the restaurant staff are wearing masks and they're taking precautions so uh but who knows what what's going to happen with that if there's going to be more flare-ups or not so but then you've also got a lot of people that are just flat out denying because they're sick and tired of being locked up so um where my parents live the the small town there every may they have a rodeo for the town and they basically ignored the uh, governor of california's orders and said you know what screw this we're going to have this rodeo anyway and and a few hundred people showed up and went to that rodeo and I haven't heard if there's a, been a spike in any sort of cases as a result of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up happening. So we really just got to prepare and just take it one day at a time. So there has to be multiple scenarios laid out. You mentioned the different scenarios, the five different ones. There has to be kind of a hybrid of all of those things, in my opinion, where we, we just really got to prepare for, we got to prepare for the worst, but we got to prepare for the best at the same time. Yep. And, you know, one of my things is every scenario, except the 100%, you know, uh, distance learning scenario, every scenario has one thing in common, kids, okay? And we need to protect them, but we know how wily kids are. So even if you set desks six feet apart, how are you going to keep them from going next to each other and talking to one another and moving back and forth? It's, it's impossible. And, and a lot of kids are saying, I miss school, I miss school, I miss school. One of the number one things they miss is being with their friends right? A lot of teachers may like to say, oh, they miss me, may occasionally, possibly, 
But the majority is they miss being with their friends. That's probably the number one place they get to hang out with their friends on a daily basis. So if you put all these guidelines in place where they're with their friends but can't be with their friends, it's going to be worse than when they're away because they won't be able to get on FaceTime with them or Snapchat with them or this or that with them. So it's going to be a worse situation for that. So they're going to start wanting to come next to each other or asking to go to the bathroom and then meet up on the quad. It's going to happen. And then also teachers are people and people have political leanings, right? And so there's a lot of people out there that think people are overreacting to this virus. So what is to say there's not going to be a teacher that says, you know what? I think the district is just overreacting. Go ahead and sit next to each other. Go ahead. And then if, if, if I see an administrator, I'll give you a signal and you can all go back to your seats. Who's to say that's not going to happen? Yeah. Nobody can say that. Right. So there's a lot of situations because like what Kyle was saying about the town his parents live in, when, when, when things start letting up, people start let to seep under their brain. Oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. But it goes back to what my wife keeps saying. What has changed? The only thing that changed was that social distancing was the norm. When that gets taken away, things are going to happen again because nothing has changed. And so when you have students coming in, and their parents are saying, this was all overreacting. Don't worry about it. You can touch your friends. Don't even listen to your teachers. They, they can't really do anything to you. That's going to start causing issues at the school. It is going to start causing issues. So we have to make sure that, that you know, like everybody said, we have to have a complete community consensus, complete uh, stakeholders talking about this because things will start happening and kids will get picked on. Could you imagine if one family says, okay, you can go to school, you can be with your friends, but you have to wear a mask all the time. And that kid is the only one wearing a mask. What kind of stigma is that placing on that kid, right? Things are going to start happening. And, and, and even the things that we're, we're not thinking about can possibly arise. So all these scenarios are great, but every scenario has one thing in common, the kids. And how are we going to showcase to them as adults that this thing is serious and it may not hurt you. It may not harm you. And Roland, I know about Kamikaze syndrome, and I know that's an extreme issue. I know that's near and dear to your heart, and I know those symptoms are flaring up um, occasionally in some, in some cases, but in the majority of kids, it, it doesn't affect them. But some kids visit their grandma, visit their grandpa. Some kids are taken care of by their aunts and uncles. Could you imagine if that kid got, that, got, a, got, a, got the virus, passed it on to his grandparents, and then they died? Could you imagine the sorrow that kid would feel because he's the one that did? I mean, we can't even imagine anything like that. So these are things we have to put into perspective because kids won't. Kids are kids. They're not going to put these things things perspective. We as adults have to. Phil, Phil, what are your thoughts on any of this? Well, you know, I, I was thinking uh, in terms of I got a chance Thursday night, uh, David Culberhouse and David Jakes and those guys host a, uh, every two weeks they host this gathering talking about the future of schools. And this week they had Dr. Uh, Solomon on there from the design school at Stanford. And I posted in uh, our chat a link, uh, Joe, that I think you guys should check out. Uh, they put together at the design school a series of templates. They're also holding a class, and I think they're going to hold more classes. But what they're doing is uh, the design templates is to get schools to think further on than the current lion in the room. Uh, one of the things that Dr. Solomon was pointing out is you want to start with thinking about 10 years from now. What is our kids and our students and our teachers going to say when we look back in 2020? What did those amazing educators, administrators, and the people in public service, what did they do in 2020 that in 2030, that kid is experiencing a whole different environment at the place called school? Yeah, ab absolutely. I, and I think 
this is a great segue into our last topic, and that's change. How can this change create lasting change in education? Because we have to start thinking, let's not put a Band-Aid on the problem. Is there changes we can make that will be lasting and systemic and better off for education? Because look, I'm an educator, you're all educators, we all love education, but we have to be reminded that not every single uh, school and not every single location had the best education out there before this. We have to think about that. And we also have to remember that the United States' educational system was not the best to begin with, right? I mean, if you look at its ranking, out of 71 countries, the United States placed 24th before this. What can we do in systematic changes that can raise that ranking while still keeping everybody safe? So just like what you were saying about Dr. Solomon about, about design thinking, design changes, I talked to a, a great mind as well, uh, Randy Zeigenfuss, um, who has a great podcast called Shifting the Paradigm. And he has educators all coming on talking about how they're changing, before this even happened, how they're changing what the educational system can look like. And one of the systems was where the students um, have classes, but they don't have a classroom or a class time. They get to decide which class they want to work on at what time. They could come to school if they wanted to and sit in a common area and, and kind of like a lounge, or they can stay at home. But the teachers were in their classrooms, and any student at any time can go in and ask for help, ask for guidance, ask for this. So they're taking learning in their own hands, but they're not told you have to be in this class at this exact time. And I think blended learning can actually make that happen. And I think teachers still have a solid role. And I think that's one of the things that teachers are afraid of, that if we go this distance learning route, the technology is gonna be more important than the teacher. And as we always say, my dear teachers, you're never gonna be more important than a device. Never, ever, ever. So that fear should never be a part of your thinking. So how can we make this device um, become a, a ex extremely important aspect to enhancing the educational process for our kids and not make it feel as a competitor to the educational process to our kids. So what are your, some, some of your thoughts of some of the systemic changes that we can make that can help with the COVID instance, but also innovate on what education can possibly look like? Well, I'm looking at it from a science teacher point of view and you know, how am I gonna redesign my lessons and activities and projects? And then you know, I teach an engineering class too. So you know, how are we gonna you know, be able to work this out? And I look back on it and I'm thinking, you know, I always had the motto, if a student had a choice to come into my room, would they come to my room? And I think this is the same thing that we're experiencing now is that teachers need to shift their thinking and say, if a student were to be at home without my, you know, without being required to come to my classroom, how can I make it something that they would want to go to? And I think that's kind of the, the shift that we have to start thinking about um, and in designing our activities and projects and lessons, no matter what it looks like, whether we're sitting in our home or doing a video from our classroom, we have to rethink our, you know, the way we present our information and uh, the teaching styles that we have um, and see some great things and t students are, you know, you know, going and going and going. So it's, it's good. Yeah, I want to so, hear from Roland because yeah, he's, Roland. yeah. Right on. Thanks, guys. I, my perspective is I'm coming from an equitable perspective. Equity, the COVID-19 has totally exposed a lot of inequities that we all knew were there, but there was nothing we could really do about it. So, for example, this whole business of kids not having devices, we knew that they didn't have them, but we're like, well, we'll just see you at school tomorrow. Your teacher will just make sure that 
you do that stuff here where the devices are. And then when you go home, you don't have to worry about it. We, I feel like we, and I teach in elementary school, so I see this a lot, right? And, and the belief that little kids can't learn how to use the technology, which I don't believe at all. But anyway, the whole equity issue moving forward, how do we make sure that every kid has what they need to be able to access information and to do school no matter where they are or what time of day it is or who they're with? That I think is huge. We made it happen now because of this emergency, but moving forward, we need to make sure kids have what they need. And I know it's easier said than done, but look at what's happened. We've given kids, at least where I'm at, everything they need to learn. Whether they're doing it or not is a whole other thing, but they have the technology, they have the tools to engage. And I think moving forward, we can't let that go. We can't go back to, okay, give us back our computers and just go home. You don't have a computer anymore, but you'll see your teacher tomorrow morning. We need to do something. We need to get better than what we were like before this. Oh God, I completely agree. I think one of the, you know, one of the great things about being American is the fact that, that we have opportunities and chances to make a difference. But I, I, one of the worst things I think is that we think we're the best at everything, which means it, it, it kind of mm -hmm. harkens back mm -hmm. to not making big changes. And, and I'm not saying America is worst at everything. What I'm saying is we have to, we have to start understanding that we have limitations and we, we have areas of growth that we can make and if we, can, if we can recognize those, we can make the changes needed, right? But if we think we're the best at everything, we don't really have to make too many changes. So, you know, Martine, I want to hear a little bit about yourself because, the, you know, the, some of the things that, that I hear about you doing with ELL kids and, and about equity and, and about growth for some of our socioeconomic students are amazing to me. And I think it's what people need to hear. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about, about that going forward on, on how that, uh, th that, that group of students is going to need help and how that help is going to come? Yeah, I, I think Roland hit it on the head when we talk about equity, right? Um, but one of the first things, you know, I'm, I'm telling folks is we need to stop doing school. We need to stop. We need to focus on learning. I mean, when we think about everything that's going on, um, this is the opportune time for us to create conditions where obsession can happen. What does that mean? And it means something different for each and every one of us in our particular areas, right? And, and for me is, you know, um, the, the first thing before anything can happen is, you know, you're talking about all these different scenarios where we can, you know, uh, change the system. But before you do that, you know, kids need to learn how to take risk. Parents need to learn how to take risk, right? Teachers specifically need to learn how to take risk. And a lot of the stuff that when we do school, there's a lot of systems in place that doesn't allow for us to do that. So what, you know, uh, um, it's going to go back to, you know, building, you know, trust uh, with our community, with our parents, but specifically with our students. And, and I keep on thinking about, well, who's, who's going to teach them? Who's going to train them? Right. This is when I start thinking um, in my head anyways, it's like, well, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be telling, you know, the teachers, I'm also going to be telling the parents, you know, here are some methodologies that you can do at home. You know, back in the day when I used to do my, you know, my screencasting 101, you know, back in the early 2000s, um, I used to tell my teachers, when you screencast, not only, you know, and, and you provide that for the student, not only are you training the student, you're now training that home. Right. Whoever is watching it, you're now training the home. So what are some things that we can do 
in order to to you know to provide this information because you know just just here you know at the moment in my head i'm thinking wow something that i need to do more is share more of what i'm doing right because like most of us when we got up and running you know we 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 hit the pavement we know we're a thousand miles and running and my focus was on my teachers my administrators my parents but the reality is in just in you know this past hour on some of the links that you guys shared, some of the stuff that you guys shared, I'm like, oh, good Lord, I now have some new ammunition that I can continue with this, right? And I think that's, that's, I, that's the opportunity that we, we need to take because, you know, I think in, in Tom's um, um, district, they're doing the right thing. They already set amount of time that this is what we're going to do. This is PD, right? It's going to be PD every day or, or once a week or whatever that might be. And I think we need to start learning, you know, and, and moving into that aspect because once again, um, for me, in order for students to do all this wonderful stuff, we need to focus on student agency, mm -hmm. right? What is the skill set that my students are going to need in order to become really self-learners? Because distance learning is going to be part of that. Whether we go staggered, where we go, no matter what the outcome is, and we all don't know, what we do know is that we need to make sure that we now have, that we now have modern learners and that they are able to construct modern knowledge. So when I look about my ELLs and I look about my special ed, right, I, I look at those guys as well. Guess what? My biggest target is going to be I'm going to beef up, you know, the training, the opportunities and the tools for that set of kids, which historically didn't have very much. Well, I'm doing everything else, but I can't do it all. You know, I, if, if I could, I would hang out with you guys all day. But the reality is, you know, we have different things. So how do we then support one another, right? For me, it's going to go back is how do you put together, you know, that, 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 um, that, that, that training uh, and, or resources um, and you set it up for multiple pathways because you have teachers who are starting down here. You have parents who are starting down here, you know, the staff's down here and then you have people up here. Well, create a structure where people can enter from multiple pathways, right? You know, Tom said something that, you know, that drilled into me this past week. It's like, oh, good Lord, I've been, we've been doing Google for such a long time. You've been doing Google. People understand the tools, but now how to apply it, it's a whole different thing. And my thing is just go, try it out. You're not going to break it, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to break it. You're, whatever you do, you're not, if you can't break it, you know, we, we can hire you for coding for something else, but you, you can't break it. And, and I think, you know, um, if, if, if anything, I think, you know, Kyle Anderson spoke about taking risk is now, you know, the book you go to, you go to start thinking about was like, well, what, and even for, for, for those of us who've been here for a while, because I know there's certain risk because where I'm at, it's political, right? On a lot of things that I say, and I now come to the point in my career, in my life, where I already know that everything I do is for the benefit of student success. Absolutely. And I think if we stick to that path, if it's for, because I'll be honest with you in, in all the different organizations that I work for, a primarily huge component has been we built systems for adults. Guess what? We've already went through the system, right? What we need to do, we need to stop teaching that lesson plan or do the same stuff for 1989, although that was a great year. But <laughs> what I'm saying is what we need to do is we need to build for our kids, right? And what does that look like? So SEL, that's part of your curriculum, right? Differentiation, that's now part of you. 
when you know when when you were saying you know I'm not a math teacher. Guess what? Now you are. You're also a language arts teacher. You're also a special ed teacher. You're also an ELL teacher. You're also a PE. You name it. You're everything now. And guess what? You have another person that can help you out, and that's the parent. So teach that person, teach that community your strategies, because at home, you know. I come home six, I, I, I've, been, I've been at work every day. I haven't come home when I hear everything on social media that, oh, you know, I'm tired of doing this, you know, my hair is out or whatever. And I'm like, I, my, my time has got, has extended. I get home at six o'clock, my kid already knows. He comes out, I was like, oh, it's now time for us to go outside. So we go outside in the front and my neighbors now understand what I do. Now they're really interested. So I hold <laughs> court every day out in my front yard. I get my adult beverage and I talk shop and I have, you know, five or six different of my neighbors. And sometimes they bring a friend along. And this now we're now talking shop. I'm talking shop to non-educators. And I think that's gonna be a huge component because I'll be, no matter what's happening, I'll be the first thing in my mind is, what the heck am I gonna do with my kid if they stagger? I still have to go to work, right? Um, Childcare provi providers, how, what is that gonna look like? Oh, and if you don't have kids, oh, um, you, you'll be, you, you'll be surprised of how much they cost, especially in our area. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. No kidding. So I tell people, if you ever see me doing conferences and all this other stuff, it's cause I need to pay, I need to pay childcare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I love everything you're saying. And I think every parent, every teacher needs to buy Kyle's book, right? To the edge uh, failures and success is in risk taking because that's exactly what needs to happen. There's also a reason why teaching is hard. And I think, parents are finally realizing how valuable teachers are because the skill of teaching is an incredibly important and learned skill. It's not something you could just pick up and do on a moment's notice. And so I think teacher training needs to happen for parents as well. And, and, and I love your story about going to your neighbors because I do the same thing. I have a, an assistant superintendent for one of our, our local districts who lives across from me. And we always talk, so what are you doing? What are you hearing? What's going on? He's really interested because he knows exactly what I do. And my, one of my best friends from high school, um, he, his wife, um, his, uh, my, his wife's hus uh, not husband, he's the husband, his wife's dad is the superintendent of a, of a school district up in Northern California. And when I went to his wedding and I was talking to him about everything I did and what I thought about technology and this or that, they basically wrote me off. Like, don't talk to that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about in education, traditional teachings where it's at. That's why we're always this and that. And so like his wife stopped talking to me, but he goes, she just thinks you're weird just the way you approach education. Their family doesn't think that way. They're really traditional. Don't, don't take it the wrong way. And I'm thinking to myself, how else can I take it, right? Um, but now they're, they're, they're struggling with how to adopt this new, this new normal because they weren't involved in teaching. And I think you're absolutely right, Martine. We have to start, stop teaching and help the kids learn. We have to make that learning the number one. And, and we did, and we're going to have to start closing down because we're getting in, into the longer hours of this podcast. But we did a podcast on future learning, right? On future skills. And one of the things was from the um, World Economic Forum. And it says the top 10 skills needed in 2020 are complex problem solving, creative, critical thinking, creativity, people management, and coordinating with others, right? How can we do that? How can we create those top skills in a distance learning environment? It can happen. It can work. We just have to focus on making it work and not focus on the way it used to be. We have to focus on the way it can be. And I think that's the most important thing. And 
Martine, I think your thing talking about differentiation and student voice and student choice um, is incredibly important. And, I, and I've been telling people there's a difference between personalized learning, which is changing the curriculum up to meet the student's needs, and personal learning, which is changing the curriculum up to be meaningful to the student. So we have to make sure we're understanding there's a difference between personalized learning and personal learning. And right now is the chance for our students to make learning personable, to make taking their loves, taking their passions and making an education out of it. And I think that's incredibly important. So I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. These talks every single morning that we have the pleasure of recording and sharing out with the world, these talks invigorate me. These talks energize me, and these talks remind me about why education was the path that I chose. And talking to each and every one of you gives me faith in the future, because knowing that there are teachers and educators and administrators out there like you, I know education is in good hands, and there is a pathway for every single one of us. And I want everybody to know that your community may be different, that your district may be different. But the one thing that is not different is our students. We have to make sure we're focusing on safety. We have to make sure we're focusing on health. And we have to make sure we're focusing on learning. Those are the things we focus on. And we can be personable. We can be there for them. We can do check-ins. We can do all these amazing things through technology. So don't look at technology as a hindrance. Don't look at technology as the bane of face-to-face. -face. Look at technology as an opportunity to reach those unreachable kids. Look at the opportunity of technology as a chance to make learning happen anywhere. I hear a lot of people say anytime, anywhere learning. Now's the chance to prove it because it can happen, it can work, and you can do it as well. If you feel like you fell out of an airplane without a parachute and you were pushed, now is your chance to prepare and to plan and to take this summer to gain your confidence back, to gain some PD back, and to gain some new knowledge on how to tackle a distance learning environment. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for joining. I love your mindset. I love all of your ideas. And educators out there, keep the faith, keep moving forward, keep taking risks, because we're all to the edge at this point. Thank you so much. Thank you for being who you are. And as always, keep on innovating and get that here. Thank you so much, and have yourself a wonderful day.